Kids, you may head off to Camp Point Way. Just the kids, not all you adults. So. Some of you are starting to get up and move, I know. I saw you. i got to tell you, it was a busy week here at the church this week. You would not believe some of the things I saw this week. There was ladies here making stockings already. We haven't even had Thanksgiving yet, and they're already doing Christmas stockings and Christmas trees, and there was that going on. There was, I, I kid you not, they had one that busy house set right over here where you guys were. I mean, it was huge. I didn't even know we had one that big. That was set up. There was a pastor's meeting here. There was a a young group. We had some snow in the middle of the week. Uh, Men were here yesterday morning. I think the largest group of men that we've had for Band of Brothers in a while. Yeah? Yeah, that was good. Good study there. We learned how to treat our wives, which we need. So so if you didn't send your husband to men's breakfast yesterday, you missed out on that, ladies. Um, Bible studies. There was just a lot going on this week. But you know what? That's a good thing. Right? There was something for everyone this week, and there was something happening that you could learn, be discipled, have some fun serving. Um, the bouncy house, I'm not sure. Not everyone could do that. I think there's a weight capacity. Um, I was told on no uncertain terms that I couldn't go in there, so um, I didn't. But I know there were some adults in there, because I saw a few of you in there. saw some pictures. Bryce. Um, but there were some fun things. You're, oh, checking, yeah, taking one for the team, for the kids, yeah. I tried that. They said no, still. But it's a good thing. And I am thankful. As Thanksgiving's coming, one of the things I am thankful for is our church family here at Pointway. So thank you. Uh, thank you for all of your serving throughout the week and things that go on seen and unseen. So I wanted to make sure that I said that this morning as well. And all that takes place on Sunday morning. So that being said, we got to dig in this morning. We got some scripture to go over, but we got some, some tough stuff as you know, uh, Corinthians, we've been in it for a while. We've been working through this series. Um, all right, I'll give some of you may need this, but what's our main theme in this? Focus. All right, see, those that come on a regular basis, you know I don't ask rhetorical questions. Paul does and other, but no, I don't ask them, and so interacting. So if you're visiting here today, feel free to shout out. You know, it, it's okay. I, and if you don't answer, you know me. I will wait until you do. Because again, I want you to interact with the scriptures as well. And so, yes, our main theme is focused, right? And we've been looking at it as Paul's focusing the church in Corinth and that we need the same thing. We need to focus on what's really important and how we do things, right? We need that. Because the outside world is a, is a mess right now. There's things going on, there are things culturally, and it's easy for that to creep into the church and affect the way we worship, the way we learn, the things that we are really supposed to be doing. And so Paul helps us with that, and really it's for today is just as much as it was for then. Now remember, the church in Corinth was a problem child. And I thank, again, thank God I'm here at Pointway and not in the church in Corinth. But, said, I am thankful for the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth and Paul's teaching helps us, shows us many good things that we need to do and we need to be careful of, right? They were fighting over, we would call them silly things. But to them, they weren't silly. And they were fighting over who baptized who, who was the better speaker, right? They were fighting over spiritual gifts. We talked about that. We, we spent a lot of time with chapter 12, 13, and 14 talking about spiritual gifts. 
By the way, if you were here last week, you know my great idea, right? I tried to like, condense the service all into one and everyone do the same thing. The elders vetoed that idea, by the way. Just so you know, they, yeah, no, that's not going to work, Charlie. But why did we do that? We did that to show that God is a God of order, right? And it's important to have an order in worship. And Paul spent a lot of time with that through those three chapters, setting up spiritual gifts. Yes, you should seek after them. Yes, they should be used, but they need to be done in an orderly fashion. And what was the main reason? What's the, the purpose of those gifts? No, that's good, Don. Thank you. I know you were here. That's great. Edification of the body. There we go. One more step, all right? told you. I don't ask rhetorical questions. You're going to help me out here. You got to, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I need to be in the jog the memory. No. So there is some, some benefit to being here because you'll, you'll, you'll catch on. You'll catch on pretty quick. But this morning, we're going to shift to chapter 15, and the tone changes a little bit with Paul. Chapter 15 is still a continuation of the letter, but chapter 15 is going to dig into some deep stuff, all right? You're going to have to marinate on some of this stuff a little bit, right? That's, I love my sign, right? Marinate on it, right? Not meditate on it, but marinate on it. You're going to have to let this seep in a little bit because chapter 15 is going to get into some doctrine, some foundational things, right? Remember, this church in Corinth is a young church. They're immature. And every once in a while, they need to be reminded of, hey, there's some foundation. There's some pillars that you don't you got to remember, you got to build on those things. There's some things that you need to take a stand on. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about something that's very important, but the resurrection. So the title of today's message is Focus on the Resurrection. You say, well, Charlie, wouldn't that be a great message for Easter? And, and yeah, it would be. But guess what? We're in Corinthians now, and so we're going to continue on, and we're going to dive into it this morning. So, chapter 15, uh, yeah, that's all right. Well, that's why I have my own Bible, because I can't rely on my, there we go. I always give a shout out to the guys back in the booth. All right, chapter 15. Ike, we missed you, just by the, by the way. I'm glad you're back there, so. 15, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Now, I could do a whole message, really, off those two verses. That is one of those things. That is a foundation from the beginning. That's where the church started. That's the basis, right? That's step number one, if you want to call it. I said, well, why is Paul doing that all the way out in chapter 15? And again, we, we add the chapters near the end because sometimes we need to come back to and focus on those things that are most important, right? The gospel. The gospel is important. It is the most important. He says, I remind you of that, right? Sometimes as Christians and believers, as we go on in life and the longer that we're saved, we sometimes forget about it, Right? Oh, yeah, I did that a long time ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I'm all set. Sometimes we need to took place. And remember those foundational things, that, the change that took place when I did that, and the importance of it. 
Notice also here that Paul says that I preached to you. Paul, Paul says, hey, remember that I preached this to you, that you took your stand, right? The expression. I don't know if it works here in Minnesota, but it, it, it was a New England thing, but it's, there are some hills that are worth dying on, right? There's some battles that, you know what, these are have-tos, and the gospel is one of them, all right? I'm not going to, the gospel is one of those hills to die on. Everyone doesn't go to heaven. There are different, aren't different ways. The gospel is only through Jesus Christ. That's a stand you can take. Yes, I know that it's a divider. I know there are people that won't agree with you. Paul's saying, you know what? That's a thing, that's a cut. That's where you need to stand firm on. And that's what Paul is saying here. This is of most importance. This is foundational. So otherwise, you've believed in vain. Otherwise, it's worthless. And he's going to unravel this a little bit more, and he's going to make his stand, his point. But this is one of those things that's not negotiable. The gospel. And again, I want to, it goes into a little bit more, even explaining the gospel, making sure that it's clear there that you understand what the gospel is. But that's what Paul starts off with. So again, it's a wake-up call. Remember, right? Hold firmly. That you need to defend that. I've quite often said in evangelism, right? I, I made this mistake early on when I would go out and, and try to share with someone, and I would say, oh, hey, do you believe in God? Right? And they would say, quite often, people would say, yes. I mean, you, you get that a common answer, right? And I'd say, oh, well, they must be all set, and I would walk on. And then I really got convicted by the fact that a better question is, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? It goes right to the heart. It cuts right to the, the chase in many ways. And that's more of a divider, right? Because remember, there are a lot of religions even that believe that Jesus existed, but who he is and what he did, whew, we go sideways in a hurry. And again, not a lot of people deny God. There are a few but people, yeah, I believe in God, but they don't have a relationship. They don't believe in the gospel. Totally different, different question. So again, I just throw that out there as a help, but maybe you want to incorporate that when you have someone that you're talking to. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Because that'll get you to the gospel a lot quicker than just a general God question. Sorry, that was free. That wasn't even in my notes. I just stuck that in there. That's a bonus, but... Um, you can tell I can get passionate about that because, again, it's something that God convicted me, but it helps so many times in leading someone to Christ when you have that foundational question. All right, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. I'm going to stop right there. Right? Paul, first importance. That's why I can say that. It was most important to Paul. His first sermon. I can only imagine that every time Paul came into a situation, that was in his first sermon. He preached that often. Remember, he's going out as a missionary. He's going into new circumstances. That's going to be the message he's going to preach. And again, that's going to resonate with whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, Greek, male, female, young, old that's going to resonate. That's going to cut to the chase, right? But it's first importance. 
Notice too that it says that he says that Christ died for our sins, right? Part of the salvation, according to the scriptures. Ever wonder why that's in there? Why is according to the scriptures? Remember early on, we talked about Paul even mentions how important the word is, right? But put yourself in the shoes of a Jew that's coming, right? You've got all the history, you've got all the heritage, you've got everything coming into it. But if you're a Jew, the scriptures are pretty high. They're, they're very important to you. And to confirm that and saying according to the scriptures is, is a big deal to them, right? Remember the Jews missed the point of Jesus being the Messiah. He, they missed that whole thing. They, they didn't recognize him as a Savior. But again, we can look back and we look at the Scripture and we're, we're like, how in the world did they miss it? And you think, read Isaiah 53. I challenge you this week, read Isaiah 53. Read it through the lens and say, how in the world could they have missed Jesus being the Messiah? And again, Every step of the way, the scripture proves that Jesus was Messiah. Again, can have grace, because you know what? I've missed a lot of things in life, even though they've been obvious. But they missed it. So Paul puts that in there, because that would have resonated, obviously, with those that are Jews. And, and we know Paul could use the Old Testament. He does many times in the New Testament, right? He refers back to it to help them. All right, so Christ died for our sins. Right? It's part of the gospel plan. He was buried. Why is that in there? Why is him being buried important? Man, you know, I always got a couple that can help me out. Thanks, Bryce. You're absolutely right. He actually died. Do you know that that was disputed? That was in question. They casted doubt on that. Right? A lot of people, even today, believe it or not, still cast question on that. Oh, he, he didn't really die on that. He, he just passed out. Or it was part of the, the show. And again, if you haven't read the account of the, what took place in the crucifixion, you should, because even of that day, they paid people to lie about it. Say his body was stolen. It wasn't really there. He wasn't really buried, or he wasn't fully dead, or that he was dead, and he didn't rise again. And we're going to get back to that point as well. But there was a, a good book written, I don't know, probably almost 10 years ago, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. If you've, some of you have read that, some of you are shaking your head. It's a great book. He went out to, to prove that Christ wasn't real. And again, through that book, he got saved. And the, the case is overwhelming. The case for Christ. He really did do what he said he did. He really did die, and he really was resurrected. And so it's a great book to remind of that. But, so it is important. He was buried. He did die. And we know he died for th- and was buried and for, took over a three-day period. Then he was raised. You say, why is that there? Well, that's vitally important, right? Because, again, if he just died and that was it, he'd just be another martyr. Right? Might have been a great guy, might have been a wonderful person, but if he had not raised again, that's all he would be. That would be really the end of the story, and that would be the end of a sad story in many ways. But no, he was raised again. 
See the hope that's in that? Later on, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but next week we'll look a little bit more about why that's so important to you and I. But that's a guarantee for us of a resurrection as well. And Paul puts that in there again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Again, it was all predicted. It was all foretold. It was something that was going to happen. It did happen. It's factual. This is the gospel. This is important. This is where we take our stand. So Paul lays that out. All right, there's some meat. It's going to help a little bit. Wrestle with that. Let that marinate in a little bit. Let that seek in. It's going to help you. It's going to help you not only in your own lives, but it's going to help you as you share with somebody else. Because you know what? They may have some of those same questions. And this is a great passage to go back to. But you can do this in your own words as well. This is what Christ did for us. This is the gospel. All right, picking it back up again in verse 5. And, continuation, and that he appeared to Peter, or Cephas in some translations, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, to someone who is abnormally born. Okay. He unravels now and makes the case. Paul goes lawyer on us, right? He's helping us make the case. He's making the case for the resurrection. So he's going lawyer. Today, if there's an accident, right, what do the police do? Well, they, they come to the scene, they make sure everyone's all right, but then what do they do? What do they look for? Witnesses, right? Yeah. Now, I've seen some of those reports. I haven't been in a lot of them. I've been in a few, but those reports, right? But normally... You get one, maybe two witnesses, right? And that's enough. It usually gets a, a pretty clear picture. You, you get to find out what happened. And again, if it were to go to court, it stands up. Usually if you've got a couple of witnesses, eyewitnesses, it's a done deal. How many witnesses, someone, someone that's good in math, how many witnesses are here? Over 500, yeah. So you think that would be a pretty good, would that case stand up even in today's courts? Probably, yeah. No, it would. It would be hard to, to disprove that. Right? So Paul's making that case. Notice some of the people he lists here as well. It's interesting, right? Peter, and, and I kind of gave you a hint. I said Cephas because remember what this church had a problem with back in chapter... Who were one of the people that he even mentions by name? Peter. Yeah, Peter and Apollos. And he says, you know, they're arguing... So, all right, so say you, in this church, you have that group that says, oh, Peter is the best teacher. He's the one that I follow. Think Paul threw that in there on purpose? Yeah, of course he did. Paul said, hey, all right, you want to, so I'll give you the argument. All right, you think Peter's better speaking to me? That's not a big deal to me. But Peter is one of the ones. You know what? Paul wants him to get this. You can forget about a lot of the other stuff, but this, he wants him to grab a hold of. And so he, I think he mentions Peter first, on purpose, to draw those folks in, to, to make sure that they understand, hey, Peter says the same thing. This isn't just a Paul thing or an Apollos thing. This is a, you know, Peter as well. He also mentions that some of them are actually still alive. Some of these witnesses, you could actually go and check out for yourself, right? You can go talk to them. They're still living. Again, this is down the road a ways. This is probably 40, 50 years later, but there were still people around that had seen Jesus alive. And so Paul's saying, don't take just my word for it or 
Scripture's word for it, but you can actually go and talk to someone. We don't have that benefit today, but we have all the history. We have all the writing and the Scripture as well. He says, although some have fallen asleep, right? And again, fallen asleep here means that they've passed on. But it's something that took place, actual time, actual real. You have people you can go see. This thing happened. It's a fact. He said, Paul's making his stand on this and saying, this is non-negotiable. This is something you need to grab a hold of, right? And then lastly, he puts himself in here. And kind of, you get a picture of Paul. Paul understands where he's at. Paul understands his position, right? He's just abnormally born. Paul's not saying he's one of the 12. Paul's not saying he was there all the way. Like, we, we know a lot about Paul, and he, he openly confessed that, right? But what you may not have noticed is that Paul, in that, is setting them up to tell his story. Now, going back to the gospel, right? One of the most effective tools you have is your story as a believer, right? Your story of how you came to Christ and what you believe and the changes that took place is some of the most powerful things that you can use, right? And I know, I know the Romans Road and I know Vanja Cubes, I, tracks, I've, a lot of those things I've used and those all have a place and they can work. But I'm telling you, some of the best things you can use is your own personal story. It can't be disputed, hopefully, <laughs> They see a change in you, and they understand what took place. Or maybe they want you to understand more about it. But don't be afraid to use your story. And Paul does that. Paul's using his own example in his own life. And he's very humbly saying, hey, I'm not one of these guys, but I believe this to be true. In fact, I'm willing to die for this truth. So he's saying that. He's, he's bringing that into the testimony. All right, let's go on to verse 9. Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace of God, I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. And yet, I, but, and yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Right? Again, Paul's making that case for himself. He's saying, look at where I understand grace. Look at where I was. Look at what I was doing. Right? We know Paul was very zealous in, in persecuting the church. In fact, that's how he ended up on that road to Damascus. Again, if you haven't read that story, you can go back in Acts and take a look at it this week. Right? But Paul goes from totally going in one direction, persecuting Christians, thinking he's doing the right thing, going all out, to getting saved and turning totally the opposite direction and becoming very much like the people that he was persecuting. In fact, so much so that he actually works, he says, I worked harder. Right? He became even more zealous for the cause of Christ than he did against persecuting the church. What a great testimony. What a great example, right? You ever feel that way? You feel like, I'm not worthy, or why would God use me? Right? Paul had to ask that question over and over again, right? He had to answer that question. Why? Why me? I am not worthy to be used. But God did. 
That's a grace, a grace that just goes beyond our comprehension. Great passage, great reminder for us. Paul's lastly in this last sentence, right? He says, whether it was them or I or whoever preached it to you, but this is what you believed, right? The onus goes back to the people. Teach us when I'm teaching evangelism, right? The onus on me is to present it. Onus on whether they believe it or not, or they accept it or not, or they get saved or not, is on them. Don't put yourself under that pressure. In fact, I, I, to be honest, I'm just going to be honest with you. I cringe sometimes when churches or organizations tell how many people got saved. And again, I, I understand their intent and been part of many of those, but that's not up to us. I would rather hear, hey, I was faithful in sharing. <clears throat> I was... I did it because God told me to do it. I would rather hear that. That's, that's all I, that I will celebrate. And again, I celebrate people that get saved, don't get me wrong. But I can share a hundred times and maybe only one gets saved. You could share once and that person gets saved. Doesn't matter if that's what God's telling you to do. It's not the numbers. Because again, the responsibility is to share. After that, it's up to them to believe. And that's what Paul's saying here. But he's confirming, you believed it. All right? You've taken your stand, so you believe that now. And again, Paul's going to use that a little bit, because right, he says, now that you believe, now you need to behave in a certain manner. You need to act differently. Things are going to change because you believed. Think about your own life. Has things changed since you became a believer? You can answer that question. Yes? Yes. All right. I thought I was all alone again. For a minute, I lost you there. No. All right, verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. All right, so I said, Paul's going to focus in now. Focus in on the resurrection. Again, this is one of those things, this was a problem in this church. Culture was dictating it. Again, culturally, the body was nothing, the mind was everything. Right? So to resurrect something that's not thought of well or evil makes no sense, and it was creeping into the Corinth church. And so there, there were some believers saying, there is no resurrection. How sad is that? Right? If this was all there is. All right, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's coming, it's coming next week. I promise you, I'll get to there. I won't get too much away. But but the fact that you believe in part of the gospel has to be the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Has to be. Paul's saying it here. If there is no resurrection, then there's no gospel. Is really what he's saying. That's a foundational thing. That has to be there. That is part of it. You can't have the gospel without the resurrection. And we've talked about that before, about how important it is not to to add or take away from the gospel. Paul's warning them here, don't take that part out. You can't take it out. Why? Because otherwise it's useless. Otherwise your faith is in vain, right? And I would say it's really sad. It just stops there. 
You could even question whether it's faith at all. Paul doesn't say that here, but again, you could question that, right? And he makes the logical argument, going against what they're preaching. And Paul's going to continue to do that. And again, he's going to build on that now because he really wants to drive this home in this church, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he goes on in verse 15. He says, more than that, are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we've testified about God and that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him in the fact that dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied. pitied yeah, we are to be pitied. There we go. I know I get that word out eventually. Pitied more than all men. Say so he's going on to make that case. He's going on to show how important it is to believe in the resurrection. Right? He says, yeah, we, we preach that to you. And he says, if the dead are not raised. And again, now he's talking about the dead are not raised. If resurrection is not true, he's, he's setting up the next section that we're going to be raised again. Then it all falls apart. The gospel is not the gospel anymore with that. Can you think of some religions today that don't preach that or don't talk about that? Never mind not about your sins and needing forgiveness, but don't say anything that Jesus was just a prophet, just a man, don't talk about his resurrection or wasn't really true. Yeah, so it's still going on. We still need to be reminded of this, how important that peace is to the gospel. I don't know about you, but if I was going to put my faith in something, I would hate to have someone say that it's futile, it's worthless, doesn't mean anything. And Paul's only doing that to, to wake them up a little bit, to straighten out some teaching there. And he says, if that's not enough, what about those who have already passed away? Right? That means there's no hope of ever seeing them again. And I know many of you lost loved ones, and this may be getting a little close to home, but you know what? It matters whether they believed in Jesus or not. And there's great hope in knowing that. It's a lot easier to say goodbye to someone who knows the Lord as a believer. It's not easy, but there's great hope because we have that hope of seeing them again. And I think that's what Paul's referring to. It would be a pity to not be able to do that. Also should stir our hearts, too, to the importance of sharing the gospel. And I'll just I'll, I'll own it as well. The, the church today does not do a great job of sharing the gospel. Like we, for a whole host of reasons, we don't share the good news like we used to, or you could say like we should. And that's not just the pastor's responsibility alone. That's each and every one of us as believers. We don't get out of that one. That's a bonus too. I'll just throw that one in there as well. <clears throat> again, that wasn't in my notes, but again, passionate about that. We, we, we need to do a better job as a church, and we're, we're lacking in that. 
All right, verse 20, before I get into too much trouble this morning. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. Again, this would have helped those Jewish believers. It would have wakened them up a little bit as well and saying, oh, first fruits, right? The best, right? First fruits, that's, that's reference to the Old Testament over and over and over again. The best, that you, something to be sacrificed, to given, right? And Christ was the best. He was the best sacrifice that God gave to us. Right? So they would have drawn them into this conversation as well. Again, one man, how he came about, right? Death came through one man. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, right? Kind of hearkening back to that, that concept of, of Jesus and who he was, right? Yes, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. Don't ask me to explain all how that all works, because again, that's, that's a God thing. But it's truth, and we believe that. Again, he, he's the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So Paul's bringing that back around. But the gospel. So, this morning, is the resurrection important? All right, you made my day. Nothing else, no. Is the gospel important? Yes. Can you have the gospel without the resurrection? No. Sounds simple, but you know what? It's not simple to everybody, and it's not clear to everybody. And so, yeah, I make fun of it, but again, it's so important to our faith. So important to us as believers to get back to the basics. Focus on what's most important. It means everything. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins and that you were buried and that you rose again. Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for the change that you've made in our lives because of that fact. Not because you had to, but because you wanted to, because you loved us. Lord, help us in this. Help us to be more bold in our faith. Help us to be more bold in sharing the good news with others. Lord, through whatever means that you provide, whether it's our own lives or a track or the, the Romans road using scripture, Lord, burden our hearts for those who are lost. Lord, we also thank you for the hope that we have and that we serve a risen Christ, one who uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.